Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Yourself? I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You're, uh, you're a busy guy at the moment. Um, uh, you can say that. Uh, it, I was quite busy in October last month, but it's, uh, it's slowed down a bit now. So it's probably quite a good thing because it gives me a bit more time to focus on some things that I've got to focus on. But yeah, just going day by day and just whatever happens, happens really. Well, I'm probably saying that you're busy because it feels from your social media uh, that you're busy. There's always mm. stuff going on, right? So um, for those who haven't followed you yet, you need to go and follow Ryan uh, McAuliffe on socials. Uh, he has probably the most unique style of sim racing content I've ever seen. And I feel like I feel like we've got you quite early on this show, right? So I invited you along to the to the show. <laughs> based purely on like the content that we've seen you creating so far and the speed at which your channel has grown i feel like and maybe maybe this is a bit i don't know a bit strong or it's a bit heavy for the first 30 seconds of the podcast but i feel like you represent like a new generation of sim racers coming through a generation of sim racers that understand that it doesn't have to always be so serious yeah 100 percent like there's, that's one thing that I've really noticed about like the racing industry and sim racing and everything. It's it's very professional, but like mm. it's very professional on camera. However, behind the scenes, it's all like the boys. It's all just we're laughing, we're joking. Everything's not serious at all. Like we'll be in a race with like 28 people on the grid and it's like a proper competitive race and like everyone's like serious about it. But we're all just laughing and joking while going free wide down the straight and like no one sees that side of things. So it was just like, it, it is a different view, obviously, but I still think it gives enough information and like professionalism to actually be able mm. to like do well commercially as well as on the media side of things. And it's just yeah, like a, a breath, breath, can't speak, breath of fresh air. So like, obviously, you go onto like YouTube, Twitch, whatever, TikTok, and it's always look at this sim rig or. Mm. look at that sim rig or look what happened in my race and it's just like it's all the same so like you see different creators but it's like you just done the same as that and the same as that and obviously that's why I wanted to stand out and I've I've taken more of a like YouTube approach to things so like if you look at people like I say like Mr. Beast, Willany, Sidemen, people like that I've adopted that kind of content style to then integrate into the racing side of things and obviously I've like that's a very big niche like Mr. Beast, Will and Ease, mm. men. so if I can like, adopt it into sim racing not only does it help me grow but it also helps the industry grow as a whole and brings new people in and all these different things yeah it, I, I definitely watch it and I can kind of like see the thought process that's that's behind how you're creating your content so you do a lot of karting you're a sim racer for Kimura Performance. I know you're absolutely smashing the the Motorsport UK uh, F4 series at the moment. I believe last time I checked, you were uh, first and second in the last race. Like, feels uh, like something like that. Yeah, I don't really remember. Some, something, yeah, something like <laughs> something first like and second. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it feels like the you know the the performance isn't suffering because of the the content right but just to give like to give our audience who maybe haven't seen any of your content yet and honestly i i, I feel like you're in terms of like reach today compared to like some of the guests we have small but i think have a huge potential in comparison to like 
the average like sim racing influencer that, that we have. And I feel like the trajectory you're on, you're going to be overtaking pretty, pretty soon. So I'm kind of keen to see like why you're doing it, what your thought processes are and like what led you to do it. But to give, give our uh, audience like an idea, what's like a, a classic uh, Ryan short. And you seem to like the short form content, I would say is definitely the, um, definitely where your, your accounts are excelling at the moment, but give us an idea, a taste of like one of your, your standard shorts. Uh, so just a, a taste of my standard short. It's sort of like a, it's sort of like a vlog, but it's got a storyline and it, it, it's, it's a bit hard to like say, because it's like, I don't really know. Like I just really <laughs> produce the content and it just falls out how it, falls but like if i was to to really describe it it's like sort of like a vlog hmm. however it's got that storyline like it's got the build-up it's got the the uh, context it's got the breakdown like sometimes i like reward like the viewer at the end like for watching and stuff like this however i still really need to define i feel like what my videos are about or give them hmm. more of a structure However, yeah, it's just like I'm trying to incorporate more of that entertainment media side into things. And obviously, like, as a racing driver, you don't really have much else to talk about except your mm. results and your races. So you need to make people care about what you're doing. Because, like, if someone came up to me or if I saw something on social media and it said... um, oh, I've just won this race. I'd be like, okay, yeah, well done. We've all done that. Like, do you know what I mean? However, <laughs> that's a bit harsh, <laughs> but yeah, but like, you like people don't, like, like the reality is people don't care, especially on social media, very small attention spans. I think that like, people say it's like, people like scroll on a video and if it, if you don't, like, three seconds is, or whatever mm. it is. So you need to make people care about what you're doing. And the way that I make people care about what I'm doing is by giving them a storyline, context, behind the scenes, personality. So all these things sort of bridge into like one whole big, not really a character, but mm. a character in a way. I feel like it's the it's the personality thing that stands out the most. Because yeah, there's a storyline. And actually the interesting thing about your content is it tends to span a longer time period than most. It's not short form in the sense that it's look at this overtake or oh my God, three wide or you know blah 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 blah, bloody back marker like all the kind of classic like short forms uh, <laughs> yeah. short form content you see like yours tends to be like a day out it's like you know you're, you're going go-karting and it's how you prepare in the morning and then you get there and a little bit like little tiny little clips of the race and like the whole day is condensed down into like 25 30 seconds but the whole way through like every short is peppered with these little like jokes and whether that's <laughs> just like some uh, like some text on the screen or an arrow or like a like a quick meme that comes up like it kind of keeps it entertaining yeah. the whole way through and I think that's the thing for me that stands you apart I, I mean you've like you've had over half a million views on TikTok already right so it's it's incredible like the, yeah, I the think speed it's, uh... at which this channel is is growing and I think the differentiator is the personality and the, the fun mm -hmm. yeah 100% it is definitely that because I'll say it to a lot of people and I say like obviously racing like I said earlier it's very professional and the audience don't really get to see personality behind things mm. so like if we look at Formula 1 for example Lando Norris he's got a very good personality he's very in touch with his media side of things and he just gives that relaxed 
look and feel about the industry and what his career is. Mm. And that really goes in the audience's favour because I don't think you'll see anyone who don't like Nando Norris because he's just that bubbly, funny, breath of fresh air. So that's like what I'm adopting. Obviously, it's just, I just feel like it's not the biggest way to, like, this is another thing. Like, it's not the best way to grow because it's a bit like, it's very about you. So you're not like piggybacking off certain things. So like, if you piggyback off certain topics, you can get more exposure. Mm. However, I'm going more down, it's all about me in a way. So it's it's definitely harder to grow and it's definitely harder to reach wider audiences. However, once you reach the wider audiences, it reaches the wider audience. Yeah. And it also it also builds more of a fan base as well. So people like me for me and don't just go, oh, he's uploaded another video. We'll watch that. They'll like look at my posts and look yeah. at my stories and interact. So it's all like building an audience as well as providing yeah, well, funny 100%. And that's what I was about to say because it's definitely like an element of fandom. I.e. it's not, you know, like you say, you're not piggybacking on other trends. It's about this is your journey and a lot of the stuff that you do is it's kind of has this angle of like here is a day in the life of or here is behind the scenes how i get ready for a race it's kind of giving people like that feeling of exclusive access to mm-hmm. how you're prepping now at the moment like the sim racing audiences are not huge you get more views on your tiktoks than any i reckon if you t- tallied up the viewers of every race you've ever done online you've like the viewers of those races would be far less than the viewers you've had on your personal tiktok right because it's it's just the viewership is just not there but um you know you're now you've now gone like pro as a sim racer you're racing for Kimura performance like this you're now on a path um to higher profile races and when you arrive at those higher profile races you're going to arrive with sponsorship opportunities because you're going to have personal reach reach that is has been created because of you as opposed to just because of the content style that, that you put out 100 percent. that's another thing as well obviously personally i've I, we haven't got the biggest budget so we can afford certain things obviously sim racing side of things it's more like we can uh we could do it it's obviously just the outlay of the rig and sometimes like um entry costs and things like that however it still gives me that it gives me that like persona so i can like obviously like you said the fan uh the um oh my god the audience base is not like the biggest so obviously i can help increase the audience base also gives me get it like it can help me get my foot in the door to certain places as well it's all these different things and obviously like you said with sponsorships social media is where it's at for sponsorships nowadays like sponsors back in the day used to like love results and oh my god you can uh, um our brand can be associated with your wins and success mm. and stuff like that however it's now what can you give us in return mm. and the only way you can really give stuff in return in racing is obviously through social media exposure and things like this so it definitely puts me in a good position for that as well yeah so tell us how it happened then right so so you know you still <laughs> fairly young even for a sim racer i say you're pretty young right so like yeah. how how has this happened like tell us like from the beginning where you started racing to now racing for Kimura Performance. And then I want to talk about Kimura Performance as well because it's not a name that a lot of people will have heard of, but it's a very interesting concept. 100%. So it all started, I'll go right back to the roots. So 
I started watching F1 in like summer 2019. I'll go even further back. So I started playing football and then okay. I had two injuries in my ankles. Like I, I broke both my ankles. And then every time I went back out to play football, it was just like, I couldn't, uh, like my ankle, I would always roll my ankles. They just, were, they were very weak. So I couldn't keep up with that performance gap anymore. Mm. So then I went to watch Formula One because my dad has been watching Formula One since like F1 2012 or something however long ago that was and um obviously i've got into it then and then we bought a sim because real life racing weren't accessible for us at the time so i bought myself a logitech g29 on my on my desk put the pedals underneath started playing f1 2019 and i racked up like 350 hours on the game in like a month or month or two it was crazy like i just sit there playing it all day and i was not very good at all like I just would spin all the time and just, I was not very good. But obviously I just kept playing and playing and playing. And then in 2020, it was late 2020. So October time, like it's a year forward from now, from when I first started sim racing. And I got my, I got like this rig. It's like some Australian company, but it was like an F1 cockpit. It wasn't uh-huh. very comfortable. I don't really know what the brand was called. Was it's it? not like a, Ah, oh, I don't know. It's, I don't know what the brand was called, but it's like it was made of wood, and it was right. painted as a McLaren. <laughs> and I thought it was sick because, like, little young thirteen-year-old me, I'm like, oh my god, I got an F1 car in the house. Yeah, yeah. And it had Fanatec pedals and a Fanatec CS CS the two, the two point five. Oh, I forgot what it's called. CSL. The CSL. CSL yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. And um. And they had that on it. And I was like, wow. Anyway, that went and went. Uh, I got that, started playing on that. And by this time, I'm getting better. So I'm mm. like starting to get more into it. The pedals are helping. Steering wheel's helping. Everything's going well. And then in 2021 was when I like first started getting into competitive sim racing. So in like December time, I joined a team. And they was like helping me get my foot into league racing and all these different type of low level like mm. competitive leagues and stuff and then when 2021 came about i upgraded my rig again to like even higher stuff because i'm now getting to the point where i'm actually quite competitive and the pedals and the wheelbase and everything that i was running is like i'm starting to grow out of it mm. so obviously upgraded again so what did you get what's the next upgrade the next upgrade was like Houston Veld Sprints. Nice. And then like an OSW wheelbase. It's like it's like mm. a step down from SimuCube, a step above the DD1. Yeah. Um, And like that was like really where I was like getting into it. Like, And then 2021, all 2021, I was just doing low level competitive like uh, league racing tournaments with my old team. And then... 2022 i like i didn't really do much so like it's it kind of like fizzled out for like the first half of the year Hmm. however i got back into i racing mainly in the summer and i was doing like the british f4 like the f4 car just came out on i racing and it blew up like all the karting drivers all like the real life drivers it's just like one of them cars that was made to bring in the real life mm. audience, I feel like. Yeah. And obviously I started going competitive with that in like the official iRacing lobbies. And then 
doing that for three months, got my eye rating up to like six and a half K if anyone knows what that That's means. That's impressive. That's really high in, th- in three months. Uh, yeah. So I always used to hover around two and a half to three and a half K mm. from like early 2021 to mid 2022. And then I just went hard on F4. And yeah, I managed to go up to like five and a half to six and a half K. That's within very like cool. a month and a half or two months. So yeah, but I was like, I was like one of them kids that just like sat indoors all day, just like driving <laughs> races a day. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and um, in October 2022 was when Kimura came and was like, we have an entry for British F4. Do you want to race for us? And obviously I'm like, of course, like who's not going to say no to that when I'm mm. not in a team properly i'm not properly in a team and i'm not doing these big events it's like as a step forward in my career i jumped on the opportunity and also my mate matt obviously you know Mm. matt from the sim expo and um he came in the same time as me and then from there we've just been doing british f4 like british f4 last year we come p4 in the constructors or p5 in the constructors it was very close to becoming p4 but Still was a good season. There was a few races where we got podiums, nearly won a race season. at Knock Hill. Yeah, it was it was good. Like especially with big teams like Apex Racing, because at mm. that time Camaro was a startup. Yeah. So we've just yeah. we've just gone like all in. We've just like let's just do it, and to come out P five in the constructors as their first proper competition was crazy. Like it's very good, and then yeah, like this year we've been doing like all the I racing special events. We've been really branching out as a team. Like Kamura have started to bring in like all these different sponsors to help with obviously funding and giving us better like opportunities and things like this. And they're really starting to like get their name out there now. I think like people know who Kamura are, especially within like the motorsport UK mm. sort of like with the British F4 esports GT Challenge, which was another championship me and Matt done that we actually won like we won the whole championship so we've got a day at like base performance like simulators so it's really starting to like come together for us and they're all just evolving as a team taking it step by step obviously and then obviously to where we are now doing pretty sure four esports again and uh yeah it's just been a a long old journey especially the community performance element of this has has grown so community performance based in london they kind of have this, uh, they call it a platform where they have the sim racing team and then they have an influencer agency uh, like in the same office and they have a social media team and they have a podcast office and they have all of these kind of elements that can all help each other out. So as a sim racing team, you can provide like the content, like the, excuse the pun, but the vehicle for the content. And then you've got the yep. podcast studio, the influencer studio, the social media um, agency that can all kind of like chip in together. And then they have other teams and they do a bit of, they do some MMA stuff. I think they have like a, a, a motorbike races. So they've got this kind of platform of, of sports. So motorsports and virtual sports um, teams, plus the supporting infrastructure for it. So it's been, it must've been pretty exciting when you turned up and you kind of saw the scale of what they wanted to achieve and what they wanted to experiment. Like this wasn't joining a discord server with, you know, 15 people that like, <laughs> had a team this was you know you you walk into that office i've been to that office in in london several times and it's in bank in the center of london and these guys are taking it seriously that must have been a pretty cool feeling when you arrived 
to be like, oh, oh, okay. So it's like a team team. Yeah. I remember the first ever time I went to the office was for the first round of British F4 Esports. And we got to the office and I was like, this massive building. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and yeah, like we walk in and they're like, we have to sign in and everything's like very professional in that. And then obviously we went upstairs and it was like, okay, this is like, I've never, like, this is amazing. Like, this is a new step. Like, mm. this is high level stuff. Like, I've never done this before. This is great. And then obviously, like, they've got, like, it's just like a very welcoming place as well. Like, all the people are very nice. Can very get on with them. Like, really get on with them. Mm. Like, they're all nice people. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it was just, like, overwhelming for me, really. Like, being in such a professional environment. Yeah, it must be it must be a nice place to to learn. You know, Ollie Hall, the CEO, is like one of the nicest, most supportive people like I've ever met. Has done a huge amount for Gridfinder. Uh, we owe we owe Ollie um, a lot. Um, and then you've got Tobin Tobin Lee of yep. Pace Note, who's a, who's a previous guest on the show, um, who's managing your your team. Obviously, mm-hmm. Tobin ran was pretty much a co-founder, like, a f- part of the founding team at Quadrant, like. Yeah ran mclaren shadow the ferrari esports program so yeah. it must you're in good hands right 100 percent, yeah especially with tobin like tobin's very very good at what he does and obviously being a sim racer himself before like a, a high level sim racer he really knows how to run it and how to approach me and matt as well as drivers and tobin's amazing like i could not praise him anymore he's one of like the, one of the best people that i know and he just does absolutely everything he can for us and he's just really good at what he does as well yeah he's probably about the best mentor that you could hope to have as like oh, a, 100%. As a young sim racer starting out along a promising path like you, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna you're gonna avoid some pitfalls you're gonna get some fast tracks um uh by by being part of the team with tobin um so let's go back to let's now tie you know this story in with your with your social media because you could you could just be like one of the a lot of the esports drivers like, I just want to do the racing. I just focus on the racing. Everything else mm-hmm. is nonsense. I'm just doing the racing. But I yeah. feel like you're taking a more mature approach, which is actually there is value to building this personal brand. How are you managing to tie in this very professional entity that is Kimura with your very lighthearted content? Have you found opportunities to to build any crossover there? Um Really, like, I think I just, like, do what I have to do with my content. Like, Kimura, Kimura love it. Like, they think it's really good. So they don't really have a have a problem with, like, the lightheartedness and all the, like, not being as professional. Because, obviously, it gives them, like, a, like a, a personality as well. Like, this is the drivers and the people that we have in the mm. team. And, like, it definitely helps as well. Like... They've never really had a problem with it. They love it. So, well, I would argue that it that the two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? You you don't have to be serious to be professional. And, yeah, exactly. And actually, w- when you're trying to build reach and audience, it's kind of the opposite. Being professional is, in a way, kind of just being yourself and and yeah. making sure that you're documenting it and you're putting it across through your social media channels. But um, I've also been enjoying watching your real world um racing content tell us about your real world racing career um so my real world racing career is obviously come on leaps and bounds as i've grown up um obviously it's still very hard for us financially so like this year Mm. i've i raced cars like fiesta junior 
got very good results. Like I, I won the first race of the season. I've multiple podiums, P2s, P3s, all that good stuff. However, we've had to like miss certain rounds due to financial mm. strengths and things like that. So it's it's very good, like the how far I've came. It's just very shaky at the minute. So we're trying yeah. to get it on lock. And that's that's one of the main reasons why I started my content because obviously I want to be a racing driver. So to be a racing driver, for me, I have to bring in money because like, we can't pay for it ourselves. So the content is the biggest part that I can like leverage to like businesses and sponsorships and stuff like that. But my my, my real life uh, is going really well. Like obviously, I started in karting, and I started in like once again low level karting. Funny story. So yes, the first ever one. day, the first ever day I went karting. We got we rock up to the track, all Which like track? confident. Uh, Bayford Meadows in okay, Sittingbourne. Yeah, yeah we rock there. up to the Great track. track. It's it's really good. That's where I started. Obviously, it's my local. It's not my local, but my park's my local. But Bayford has been the mm. the, the the one who run owner drivers more because Buckmore is yeah. more of a rental kind track. However, we turn up to the track all confident. Oh yeah, look, I've got my first cart. Look at me. Yeah, put the cart on the grid to go out for the first session. I'm starting to drive out. And I just start getting waved down by this marshal. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just, what? He stops me and he says, sorry, mate, this ain't the right group. You're in the next group. <laughs> I went out with all the 10-year-olds <laughs> in all the slower cars. Oh, yeah, was, I mean, uh... you felt fast though. It's good for the ego, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was good for the ego. Not when he told me. I was like, okay, I want to go home now. This racing thing is not for me. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting because this story, so, so we've had, you know, um, all sorts of esports drivers from you know james baldwin to uh sebastian job like mm -hmm. we've had the whole red bull team the mclaren uh f1 esports team like and there is there is a common um story which is they get into karting try and do real world racing budget's a problem turn to sim racing and now they're racing for f1 teams but in the esports side of things and you know, the F1 esports was previously kind of like the place to go. It was the only place where it was the teams were organizations which had enough of a marketing budget to justify sim racing as essentially a marketing activity because sim racing isn't making any money for these teams, right? It's yeah. an expense. It's a marketing activity. Yeah. But now we're starting to see stuff like um, Rensport and some high profile iRacing uh, tournaments and the, the bigger prize money. And now teams are starting to be able to kind of justify the existence um of their sim racing teams and it feels like you're kind of on a on a very similar path but the interesting thing here is that it's not i don't know but it's not necessarily like okay the whole point here is i want to get to an f1 esports team or the whole point is i want to go and uh, race for for redline or, or, or whatever it's it, the kind of exciting thing here is that you're it's an early industry you're an early stage of your career with an early team so there's so much yeah. like potential for all three of these to grow, right? So you have the industry will grow and more competitions will become available, more prize money. Kimura performance will grow as it invests more and it starts to understand the sim racing space better. And then you grow basically at exactly the same time as it. you're kind of riding that first wave. It's like, it's almost akin to, you know, people who like bought Bitcoin in the first few yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. Do you know, what? It, it kind mm -hmm. of feels a little bit like that, that we've had the, we've had the the first rush of sim racing has kind of happened 
And now we're starting to experience this second wave appearing. Yeah, 100%. And it's obviously very exciting. And the way that it's going, like you said, is very good. Like I've all, I've been saying for the past like year, and some people are going to call me crazy for this, whatever. But I'm excited. I, I personally feel like sim racing will be not bigger, but bigger than real life motorsport. Okay. So it's it's very controversial opinion and and my reasoning is because there's millions of people who want to be racing drivers. Mm. Millions of people who dream of being in F one. However, do they have the money? No, they don't. Simple mm. question. Like it's just a, a harsh reality. Do they have, let's say, five hundred pounds to put towards sim racing and get a rig? Yes, they do. And that's what I feel like a lot of people are doing nowadays. And mm. like you said, people are not making it in the racing, like the real life racing industry, but they're making it in the sim racing industry yeah. and they're getting paid for it. In the real life industry, you have to pay for it. Mm. So it's a bit like- All the way feel to like nearly the top. Literally, exactly. Like I think the only series that I really know that people are getting actively paid to drive for is British touring cars. Mm. And that's like the pinnacle of British motorsport. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And to get there, it's it's not cheap. Like mm. the, the series you have to go through is a lot of money, like hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds. And for the average person, it's not possible. Whereas sim no. racing, they do it. They can do it as much as they want, and they get paid for it. So mm. sort of like outweighing the yeah pros and yeah. cons. It's, yeah, it's very interesting because it, it's kind of a total leveler because you have the Pro-Am series. Now, the Pro-Am series, obviously, the AMs pay for the pros. You, you know, that's the term, the gentleman drivers. Yeah. Um, it's where they came from because they're the AMs and they're usually execs of huge companies and they do a racing series once, maybe twice, and then the next exec comes in who's on millions and millions and they essentially <laughs> pay for the whole team and the pro is getting paid to be the pro in the team. But, you know, that's but even those pros have had to invest a huge amount of money to be qualified as a pro so yeah it's a very uh it's it, it's a very like inaccessible sport but the interesting thing is it depends how you would define bigger you said sim racing is gonna be bigger than most sport because in terms of if you if you were to say how are we defining bigger because if it's which of them have more people taking part well sim racing is already bigger like yeah. thousands of times bigger if it's yeah. about viewership well then that's totally totally different because different. if people could watch real life racing or sim racing i always say that they would watch real life if it's a choice people people have got so much demand on their attention right from social media watching short form content to watching longer videos on youtube to watching netflix or amazon prime you have these mm -hmm. huge giants competing for everyone's attention all the time yeah. and sim racing somehow has to compete with that but the interesting thing about sim racing is sim racing's rival when it's competing for viewership is motorsport and motorsport yeah. has got millions pumped into millions. it. You've got that real sense of jeopardy when you're watching yeah. it. Right. So it's always going to be a difficult, um, a difficult competition. However, when it comes to actually taking part and ownership, I think that's why we're seeing this whole industry, um, existing around sim race. So I remember when I was a kid, like you'd be able to buy a wheel and pedals out of the Argos catalog at Christmas. And it would be like, you know, 50 quid or whatever and it would be yeah. basically on a rubber band right and that, that was yeah. kind of it and it was just a bit of a kid's thing whereas now yeah. the manufacturing processes and precision that's going in to create this the, the, this hardware is absolutely insane like it's crazy, it's, yeah. it's the, the the 
how far this industry has come and more and more companies are piling in to the same space. If you look at you know, Moser and Simagic and, you know, Thrustmaster and Logitech that basically had the same products out for like 20 years have all of a sudden yeah. had to go, oh, okay, now we need something new. Now, so they've yeah. got their direct drive versions, which mm-hmm. they never had before because there was, there was no demand. Exactly. And yeah, like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like some of the manufacturing stuff, like, I'm not sure if there's many videos on YouTube and that like showing the process, but it's crazy. Like even to say, like, like you said, back in the day, it was off a rubber band. So mm. there's like no, no false feedback. It's just nothing. You're just turning the wheel. Now my wheelbase is rated at 33 Newton meters. Like <laughs> when outrageous. I turn that to full, like I can't turn it. I'm like me and my mm. mates are like jumping on it to get it turned. And like it just shows how far it's come, just in the engineering side of things. Like you said, it's it's mad. Yeah, like, genuinely, it's so mad. Yeah, as racing fans and sim racers, we're obviously incredibly lucky to be like living through this particular era of yeah. sim racing. Or perhaps we're so invested in it because we are here at this this particular era of sim racing. But how do you? So you know, when I look at your content, I, I can see immediately when I watch this, I can there's a, there's a long play here. This is this is smart. There's obviously there's obviously a a vested interest here because it doesn't feel like you're doing it just because for fun it, it feels like there's an end goal here so what's your plan what's you because you're still early on commuter performance is still early days what's the plan the plan <laughs> you put me on the spot um the plan l plan all right so the plan so what i've been thinking so like i'm, I'm a big believer in just like whatever happens happens so like mm. Obviously, there's certain things that you have to make sure that you do and there's structure to it. However, whatever happens just just happens. Like put one step in front of the other and just go from there. But my long my long term goal is obviously use my social media as leverage to pay for my racing and obviously make myself a career. Mm. And then also to give me a fan base for sim racing that I can then monetize. And obviously run events for and just be just be an idol for people like because like it's one of the things that i'd never really had growing up in a motorsport thing i've never had someone to look up to mm. and none of the drivers feel, none of the f1 drivers would you say that you didn't really, really no like no, that's interesting and 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 the reason why is because it's too inaccessible for me so mm. i can look up to them as much as i want however i'm not like let's be realistic i'm not getting to f1 like it's too late we haven't got enough money so i'd I don't really like look up to them. Yeah, I look you can't up to kind of see the connection. Yeah, exactly. Like there is not really a connection. However, I feel like with my content, I can, I'm um, giving like people a role model in a way. I, I'm going to just dive in with another question because you you kind of wrapped up the answer. You were saying that you you know you you, you said I didn't have an idol, so I want to be an idol. So I'm going to mm-hmm. follow on uh, on that thread and Liam. You're gonna have to edit this away and it's fine It'll be fine so in the same way that you want to be an idol into you know, through your content you're also coaching people right how did that come about um it came about like because obviously like i i have the skill set like um to be able to give people my knowledge like mm. once again like we well it's like me and matt like we made rm coaching Mm. So it's just like a tired thing we've done as like a little project just to see how it would go and obviously gain experience and stuff like this. However, with 
the coaching, it's like people don't really do personalised coaching. But they, they do, like people like Swelio Almeida, people like mm. these, like they're obviously very good coaches, the best in the industry. However, once again, I just still think it's a bit unaccess uh, inaccessible. And mm. like Swelio Almeida, I feel like he targets a older audience. So he will target like the older type of people. And obviously he charges quite a lot for his time, which is which is completely fine. Obviously he's mm. got that knowledge. He can charge that much. However, we don't charge that much. And I do it sort of just like once again to complement my content and mm. my just what my beliefs are. Like I want to help people like, and it all ties back to I've never had that help. I've always done everything myself, content myself, everything. So I want to give back to the younger people. My demographic is mainly like young teenagers to mm. like 20 year olds. So I just really want to be that type of person that they can look at and go, okay, he's in the same situation as me. Mm. Obviously can't afford this, can't afford that, but he's actively doing this and I can actually yeah. do that. And it all ties in together really. And what better way to offer coaching to people as well? Like, yeah, man. That's very cool. Must be very uh, satisfying. Well, we've got Swellio coming on the show next week, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear like what <laughs> that good. what that lifestyle um, is like. Um, but yeah, so it sounds to me like you have this kind of. It's almost like you're building. This is such an overused word, right? So I'm going to vomit a little bit for saying it, right? Cool. And I've said, I think I've already said it in this episode, but like an ecosystem of various different offerings as Ryan the brand. So you have the racing and the results that come with it you have the content that you're creating in order to grow your reach so you can uh, monetize what you're doing and then you also have the coaching that you and matt do which again presumably allows you to earn enough money to not have to go and supplement your income with a job which would cut into yeah. practice time etc so everything kind of feeds Fun. into to each other but where 100%. but going back to l plan right mm -hmm. two years time what series yep. do you want to be winning? <sighs> Put me on the spot again. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Like all of them. I just want to do everything in life. Like genuinely, mm. I want to do everything in life. But really, in two years, if I'm in any type of high-level cars, I'm I'm happy. Like. Interesting, just, you went straight to real world. Yeah, I, I, the main That's thing the I want to be doing is is real world, obviously. Mm. That's most people's dream. However, sim racing, if I was to obviously go down that path and also complement it with real life as much as I do now without mm. like my content getting in the way and stuff like this, possibly... I've really thought about like F1 Esports. Mm. Like, and I know it sounds stupid because I've never really driven F1 and I've always been iRacing and that, but... I don't think it's stupid at all. No? The, 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 because it, the the skill set is so transferable. And yes, F1, the game feels different, but actually a lot of it, a lot of the, the process that you go through to get good at it is the same process you go through to get good at iRacing. It just feels different. Like, look at... Um, like uh, Sebastian Job, right? We had him on the show mm -hmm. a couple of times and, and he's interesting because he jumps between different games. He'll jump between ACC, iRacing and now Rensport. Um, yep. 
but he's uh, he's he's in the F the the Red Bull uh, F1 team. Um, but he's going to be like kind of separate to the F1 team because he's doing the the Ren Sport stuff. So he's going to get really kind of attuned to Ren Sport, but he'll be able to jump straight back into F1 esports because I feel like if you there's, there's a lot of people that we speak to who kind of pigeon themselves pigeonhole themselves into kind of one game and they're going to absolutely become the best at that game. But then in the same way as you know when you watch Drive to Survive and yeah, Valtteri Bottas talking about how rally has really helped him in F1 because it yeah. feels different and you can understand the car in different scenarios. 100%. In yeah. sim racing, you kind of have a similar thing where it's like iRacing is a lot twitchier, right? So if I kind mm -hmm. of have that similar thing happen to me in F1, I'm kind of more used to it because I've you done iRacing or vice versa, right? So 100%. there's definitely, I think there's huge crossover and, and it's kind of an interesting thing about the sim racing industry as a whole is that we call ourselves sim racers. We don't say that we're ACCers or <laughs> iRacers. In the same way that like in the rest of gaming, you would say, oh, I'm a World of Warcraft player, or I'm a Dota yeah. player, or I'm a CSGO esports. Like all those esports players do one game like forever. Like yeah. Crim6 is, um, you know, a, a, an exception. He did, he was the most decorated and won the most cash of anybody in uh, Call of Duty. And now he's doing... Mm -hmm sim racing but again you know he's got an ambition to go into the the real yep. world but by and large sim racers are sim racers and i think the best sim racers are the ones who can jump between the games and get up to speed really quickly 100 percent. and once again like you were saying the skills are very transferable so i'm gonna link this back to real world because obviously that's where my mm. main like experience yeah. is however I used to, back to Bayford Meadows, I used to race there for a year and a half, nonstop, only track I ever went to. Mm. And I hit, a, I hit a barrier. Like, I couldn't go any quicker. Mm. It was just, I was going backwards, really, because I weren't evolving as a person. I weren't learning mm. new skills and stuff. Same with the sim. If you stick to the same game, you, you're you not learning. Like, you just, mm. you just hit a point. You can't go any further. Whereas if you done iRacing, then went to F1, you can handle differently, like the car handles differently. You learn how to handle different cars. You learn how to finesse things. Like it all, mm. like it's like you say, it comes back, it grows your like your skill level and yeah, makes you become more driver. dynamic. Yeah, adapt exactly. And yeah. Adaptable as a driver, and something yeah. else that's even more important in my opinion. Having spoken to dozens and dozens of like esports drivers at the top of their game, one trend that I have noticed is. The drivers who race more than one sim enjoy it more. They enjoy yeah. being a professional sim racer a lot more. Like, and I'm not going to mention names, but I've spoken to some um, like F1 esports drivers who all they do is F1 day in, day out, and it's just you know muscle memory, and it's seven, eight hours a day. And you know, speaking to them like off off the podcast, like outside of the podcast, like they're not enjoying it. It's a job. And actually, yep. it's not a very well-paid job. It's a cool job because of the, mm -hmm. the, the shirt you get to wear and the factory you get to walk into. But they don't seem to really be enjoying that career because once you're there, that's it. There's no, there's nowhere further to go. You're not, yep. you're not going to be like, okay, well, I've, I've won the F1 Esports Championship. Great, I've got an F3 drive. That's not how it works. Like, yeah, no, no. You know, you're, <laughs> you're just there and you do it over and over and over and over again until eventually, like, somebody else that's sharper and faster and younger comes along and is you know a tenth yep. 
faster than you Quicker. and it takes yeah. over until they degrade. <laughs> yeah. So, and exactly. that, that, that sounds like a really bleak outlook. I don't mean it to be a bleak outlook because obviously being an F1 esports driver would be insane. The travel opportunities, mm. the, the opportunities to meet F1 drivers, the fact that you could be part of such a prestigious, professional, incredibly rewarding team would yeah. be crazy. But the guys who have done F1 esports and are still doing iRacing or still doing ACC or they're also competing in Rensport, they still enjoy it because they're jumping between the sims and it's always fresh exactly like it's it's human nature to want to have something to work towards mm. and obviously like you said if you you're going between game and game you're you're getting that oh i have to be quicker or let's learn how to be quicker and it just it all makes sense like it becomes if you're doing the same thing over and over again it becomes a chore mm. so it's it's a you have to do it it's not like Oh, I get to wake up this morning and learn how to be quicker, or there's a mm. different track I can drive, and it, it all just becomes a bit repetitive. Yeah, and given given the the nature of your content, it feels like you're not somebody who would uh, tolerate not having fun. Yeah, no, I, I have to like I have to have fun. Like if if there's things that happen and it's not fun, I'm like, oh. like What's the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm not saying it out of a, like like what's the point in like it's just i always want to have something to work towards mm. like it's just it's just human nature i think like, I... so it's still early days but yep. up to this point and we'll have you have you back on the podcast in like a couple of years time and it'll be a, a crazy crazy story i'm <laughs> fingers sure. crossed but up to this point what has been the highlight of this crazy sim racing journey probably joining kimura Damn. 100%. 100%. Like, and not only not only is it my first, like, professional venture, mm. it's also, like, really solidified my friend group as well. And, like, Matt, me and Matt, like, we never really used to, like, talk much. Like, it was about four weeks before Kimura that we actually, like, first started speaking to each other just because we was in the same mm. races. Like, oh, yeah. good luck, mate. Hope you don't crash. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was crash. one of them things. Yeah, that feels like, like a, that feels like a psychological game to me. <laughs> no, no, no. Hope no. you don't crash. <laughs> F four, F four i racing lobbies are the most are the dirtiest thing or the cleanest thing you'll ever see. Mm. But it's like, yeah, like, I, I never really spoke to him, and then we went to Kamura, and now like Matt's my best mate. Like, yeah, everything That's we great. do or I do is. It's involved in Matt. Like I wake up in the morning and Matt just sent me a message on Snapchat, just like some stupid message, just for Snapchat. no reason. <laughs> God, I feel old. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's like, even with my other mates, like when I wasn't doing sim racing properly, I was more doing it by myself just because why mm. not? But now all of my mates, we just get in a call and we're like, we race and we work for something and we bounce off each other and it's just, brought us all in together in that aspect as well and obviously Kimura have given us insane opportunities Wilton mm. Charity event where I first met you yeah yeah, yeah that, that was, was great fun. that was a great day like Aston Martin were there like all these big profile people Ben Daly Max Fosh like loads of people it's very big opportunities yeah that was that was, that was a very cool day amazing day it's like one okay. of my carton highlights like genuinely yeah, so that good. was nuts. Getting taken around the track in Ben's uh, McLaren. I <laughs> McLaren. did not think that a McLaren could go that fast around a go-kart track. And I was like, 
you know, because you just think you're never getting up to speed. I think we only got into second gear once, but like, it was, it was, uh, yeah, that was quite an incredible, yeah. uh, incredible experience. Okay, so I've got to ask then, because I've asked what the 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 highlight's been. What's been the the most challenging moment so far? <sighs> Sim racing, real or virtual? Real or virtual? I'll do a real and a virtual. Okay. All right. So last year in 2022, I went for a massive dip like i say mentally yeah mentally so like i told you i got to like five and a half k to six and a half k between mm. that i rating range and then i went through like a stage in like two weeks where or three weeks and i was just like no matter what i did like even if i was the most careful person ever if i was the most cleanest driver whatever i would always get caught in an incident and mm. it'd always be like the most insane thing ever like i would be driving and someone would just come flying across the other side of the track and just kill me mm. and, it, and like that was my like my proper down point because i was like why have i now dropped down to like 4.2k i rate and like yeah 2k lost in two weeks and i was like kicking myself and kicking myself and it was like i don't want to do this anymore like it's yeah. boring and then I came back out of it here now and obviously it's just the way of life it always happens like, i've seen a thing and it like really resonated with me it's like Success isn't like a a graph like that. It's mm. like it's up, down, up. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, and yeah, that's really stuck with me. And then in real life, the biggest thing was, it might have been this year. Like, um, I'm trying to like starting to do my content, and I'm like really putting like my effort into the content and stuff. And then obviously we couldn't go to round not sure what round it was but we missed a round and mm. a fiesta and i'm like it's game over like yeah we're not going to be able to keep it up and like i got really like i even like stopped doing content like stopped doing loads of things i just was like oh obviously come back out again so it's just always dips in life you just got to keep pushing through them like it's just yeah. the most generic advice ever but it's just the way it is do you know what I mean? yeah no it's interesting because racing you know that those two examples uh are both equally applicable in real and virtual like you know you you watch uh even when you watch f1 you'll see drivers will have like an unlucky spell and you can see that they're down you can see that when they enter the paddock on on, on the thursday for media day they're just not as pumped up as you're used Mm -hmm. to seeing them because the last two or three races they've had an incident and you know it, it it's getting to them it might not be their fault and i you know i racing i flipping love i racing but I feel like there's a momentum to iRacing, yeah, right? Mate, and I, and I did. I, I started, obviously, did the Mazda season. And a couple of those absolutely loved it. And then I think I did the Skip Barber. Uh, and then I okay. did the Porsche Carrera Cup. And mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. And I was flying up to, well, I say flying up, right? Relative, right? I'm not, not as fast <laughs> as most people. I think I was like 3K maybe. And I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm in th- three. Because then you start at 1.5, right? And I was like, three. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then same thing happens, uh, incident, incident, incident. It's, I didn't finish a race for, and then you're back down to like 1.4 and it's like, well, okay, I've spent months grinding to get up here and you get and this sense good. of, okay, you know, maybe there's something here. And then it, the worst thing is it's when it's not your fault. And that's quite yes. interesting as, as motorsport. And I've, I think I've said this before in one of the podcasts, but the unique thing about motorsport and sim racing that, that they share this trait is that when you're competing you have to compete with your competitors not just compete against them 
mm -hmm. when you're side by side in the corner you're competing with them you have to work together even though you like you both want to end out and uh, end up uh, in front you have to work together with your competitor to ensure that yeah. you don't both crash out by giving each other space and you know uh, following all the the, the racing rules etc which is fascinating because i can't think of many other games or sports where you have to work with your competitors to ensure a baseline of success for you both like you know, if you're if it's a running race, you're just flat out on your own. Who has the fastest wins? If <laughs> it's football, yeah. there's no element of trying to work with them to to make sure that you both get a decent result. Like it's mm -hmm. it's just not a thing. Whereas in motorsport, you have this very strange element of having to work with your competitors, even though you both want to beat the other. And when you're online, that distance kind of accentuates the issues that that creates. Uh, yeah. more so perhaps than real world racing although I imagine the higher up you go in real world racing the less and less people are working with each other because you're yeah, more and more competitive mm -hmm. yeah exactly like and that's like they they really really preach race and respect mm. and obviously like you said you, you have to work with your team you have to not with your team you have to work with your opponents but also work against them and yeah. it's like a really fine balance like like you like it's 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 really hard to explain like you explained it really well like just like i can't really spit it out i don't really you're know what to, to say like it's it's almost like you're trying to um you're trying to work together but you're both aware that you're both trying to outdo and outsmart yeah, each other so that, exactly. that, that that element of trust is like yeah okay i'm gonna give you a bit of space there but i'm not gonna give you too much space give you too much yeah. space then you're gonna overtake me so i'm gonna give you just enough space just, to survive and you have yeah. to trust that that's going to happen each time exactly and when yeah, it's online exactly. you don't know who this person is that you're working with to beat mm -hmm. 100 yeah. and it's just it's just one of them things really like and you see it like the people who can really really race and like one of them people that like as soon as they get into p1 that's it they've won because you can't get past mm. them they have really like found the balance between yeah. respect and like get away from me. Like I don't like you. Like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like they've really yeah. found that balance. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes people. I think it's all a maturity thing. Mm. Like, like I see all the immature drivers are normally the ones who are always crashing, running people mm. out of road and stuff like this. So it's all about just accepting the fact that you've just got to do it and even though you might hate that person because they've wiped you out four times you still have to respect them to be able to get to the point where you want to be mm. and it's just a maturity thing you need to just figure out the balance between hating someone and wanting to like drive them off the track and giving them enough room so it don't look like it's your fault like you know what i mean yeah 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 and especially when there's that added element of other people are watching and you know for a fact when you're side by side with somebody for a few corners and your race is being streamed like sometimes i'll listen to the you. commentary live whilst i'm racing and mm -hmm. if i can hear the commentator talking about the race i give them even more space because there's nothing worse than being blamed on a stream for an event like it's the worst feeling ever because especially like you know this sounds really bad, right? But I'm very competitive in life generally, right? I, yep. I kind of want to build the best thing I possibly can and, and, mm -hmm. and, and always be the best version of myself. But when it comes to racing, sim racing, because I'm so consciously approaching it as it's a fun thing to do, mm -hmm. I'll always give a bit of extra room. I'd rather, I'd rather this person overtook me than I ruined both of our races. Um, but, you know, that I think sometimes 
you know, if you do that every time over time, you're going to lose out, you know, you're, you're yeah. going to, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose a few KI rating. Like, like yeah. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely like not being selfish, but you have to like, it's like I said, like, it's really hard to explain. And it's really like, because it's, it's so hard to get out, but it's like a weird have diplomacy. It's like it's like yeah, a, you, possibly. Yeah, you're almost like negotiating on track. You have to learn. Yeah, yeah. Especially in iRacing, racing, when you don't know these people, right? You just see a name, and you maybe mm -hmm. maybe when you get up to the higher echelons like yourself, maybe you start recognizing names, but mm -hmm. down at the bottom, you don't know who you're racing against. And you kind of through movement of your car, it's a dance, it's a negotiation. You're kind of yeah, feeling like each other out, and if you get through a couple of corners side by side. And you think, right, they could have come up, but they didn't. You've got all these kind of like implicit understandings happening between two people, but with no verbal communication, purely yeah. just in terms of racecraft, which is freaking fascinating. It is crazy. It's like, but I, that's, you've led me on to something there. It's like body language, like you mm. can get body language from someone's car. Like, like yeah. you said, like you, you can see what they're like and what they're doing. And, mm. and it's like, the aggressive people are always the ones that are moving around a lot on track mm. and they're always the here, there or whatever, breaking it early and trying to whatever. Mm. And then the people who are normally respectful, normally the ones that are more like smooth, calm. And they're just mm. like, you pick these things up as you obviously become better and more experienced. And it's like, it's really like weird because obviously there is nothing verbal, but you're, you're, talking to that person in a way yeah so it's yeah it's just it's crazy like you said it's crazy well this is making me want to go race um ryan thank <laughs> you so much for your time really, really appreciate it no worries for anybody listening do go and check out ryan's uh accounts on instagram and tiktok and youtube shorts because i think i think they're very very different and i'm enjoying watching them i kind of like like my feed is pretty passive, right? I've got feeds of all, all sorts of sim racing, multiple stuff, and it just happens. But I do kind of look forward to yours coming out because it's it's a little <laughs> mini story. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the yeah. show, but like it's like a little mini story, and it's usually like makes you crack a smile when you're watching it. So do go and check out his uh, channel. But Ryan, thank you so much um, for joining us. No on worries. The show. Thank you for having me. Really on. appreciate it, and good luck uh, for the rest of your time at Kimura. Thank you very much. As uh, fingers crossed, it all goes well. Sure it will. Cheers. <laughs>